Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show. Giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR. 8.55 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR. 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Rebecca and from the Brainwaves team today we have Lauren. This week we're joined by Maura Younger from the Sleep Health Foundation. This week is Sleep Awareness Week and today we're going to be talking to Moya about sleep and why it's important. Okay, so just to start off, uh, could you just tell us a bit about what the Sleep Health Foundation is? Yes, um, well, the Sleep Health Foundation is a not-for-profit organisation and it's been around since about 2009 and our aim is to um, promote good messages around good healthy sleep, um, the importance of sleep and also have some advocacy and also um, information about where to get good help so we promote um, practitioners in the field as well. So we're involved in research as well. We try to, we have commissioned a few research pieces. Um, yeah, that's about all. Yeah. So, what are some of the activities that happen during Sleep Awareness Week? Well, Sleep Awareness Week this year is going to be early July, and we, funnily enough, we're still in the middle of organising what the activity is going to be. But in previous years, we. We have done all sorts of things like, um, uh, you know, doing driving, simulating tasks and getting getting the media involved in that and look at the research that's coming out of Monash University, for instance. Um, this year we're focusing much more on the workplace and sleep health and specifically lighting in the workplace and work scheduling. Yeah. So... That's something. So probably our activities will revolve around. We're potentially hoping to have a, either a hospital or a, um, a university lab, and just be looking at that, looking at the differences in people's life issues, um, etc. So Sleep Awareness Week will. It's it's an international week, but we're we're different to people can choose what month or what week they they use it. I know that it's already passed. In the, in the USA, it was in April. Okay, yep, yep. Sorry, I'm back with you. No, that's okay. Um, so just moving on. So how is sleep regulated? Mm, that's an interesting question. In terms of the actual during sleep itself or for us as... So but there's obviously all regulated within the central nervous system. Yeah. Like the brain itself is the, is the main regulator of sleep. In terms of how we maintain and regulate our sleep, it's a, it's multifactorial. There's you know biological factors, social factors, mm-hmm. environmental factors that that help us to regulate um, 
our, our sleep, but it's mostly related to the circadian system and the homeostatic system. It's a pro so within our body, they're the two main factors. So the, the, the circadian system is just known as commonly known as the body clock, okay. and the homeostatic system. It's just a it's a system that probably people don't really know much about in terms unless you're in the sleep field. Because there's no blood tests for it, or like people might be able to, you know, you can test your blood sugar levels with uh, with things like that, but we we don't, we can't test our sleepiness or our sleep pressure. But within our body, we do know there's these sleep drivers, and it's called processes, and it's a homeostatic drive that from the moment we wake up in the morning till the moment we go to sleep, our pressure is building and building and building, and there's a some regulation and crossover with the circadian system as well that we eventually just feel sleepy, that it's high enough and we feel sleepy enough and our body clock is at the right phase that mm -hmm. we, we get the right messages for sleep. So the body clock is regulated mostly um, in the hypothalamus and the sleep hormone melatonin is secreted within the sleep circadian system. And when that's secreted, we it starts a complex, lovely array of things that lead to us feeling sleepy. Mm -hmm. So melatonin is secreted in response to darkness. So as it gets dark outside, our brain gets a message that's dark, starts to secrete and produce melatonin. And then as that rises in our bloodstream, things happen like uh, our body temperature drops and our propensity for sleepiness occurs and our sleep pressure, the process is driving as well, and then eventually we fall asleep. So those things would be just lovely if we have no interruptions. But of course, we have interruptions, so like our, our iPhones, our TVs, yeah. Uh, our telephones, um, oh, I said that. And yeah, no. obviously sometimes if we're worried, the things on our mind, if we talk to the attorney or if we're staying late for work or we're at a, at a, at a movie. And so we, we sometimes miss all those lovely textbook things that happen. Yeah. And then when we, we find ourselves in a state of dysregulation. Um, but, um, yeah, that, that answers that question, I think, how it's regulated. Yeah. Thanks for that. It's really interesting. Mm. So yeah. what are some of the effects of inadequate sleep? Well, some of the effects, it's wide-ranging and people just know, I mean, obviously there's lots of research that can back this up, but everyone knows anecdotally how they feel when they've had inadequate sleep, that there's uh, a reduced alertness, increased sleepiness, um, fatigue often, um, irritability, feeling grumpy, um, not able to concentrate, and then lots of sort of more short-term things. And then longer-term, the effect it does have, so long-term sleep deprivation has been known to have uh, effects on our on the cardiovascular system. So there's increased heart disease, increased risk of stroke, uh, obesity, diabetes, uh, obviously things like car accidents as well. Mm -hmm. um, there's, a, there's a range of really serious consequences to having inadequate sleep on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. um, can you just tell us what some of the most common sleep disorders are? Yeah, so the most common sleep disorder is insomnia. Okay, yeah. And, and that's something, you know, obviously difficulty either getting to sleep or maintaining sleep mm -hmm. or both um, or waking up too early or waking up unrefreshed. Um, the other major sleep disorders, common ones, uh, obstructive sleep apnea. Okay, yep. And central sleep apnea as well. Um, and there's other sleep conditions known as um, periodic limb movement syndrome or 
periodic limb movement disorder, PLMS or PLMD. And that's when you have these periodic limb, mostly the feet or legs, twitching away during sleep. And people often don't know they have that. But, but then they wake up in the morning, they're really unrefreshed and they feel like they've slept all night yeah. because their movement, their limbs have been moving around and disrupting their sleep and giving them lots of fragmented sleep as they've been waking up several times an hour but not knowing it because they were awake just for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the most common ones. And then there's lots of, there's, in fact, there's 80 different types of sleep disorders ranging from um, these sorts of things we've been talking about but also shift work sort of problems. There's, there's a whole range of circadian uh, shift work disorders yeah. um, or circadian rhythm disorders and shift work disorders, one of them. So there's a whole range of them, but the main ones really are insomnia and and restless legs or periodic limb movement disorder and um, obstructive sleep apnea. Wow, that's amazing. I I didn't even know that. There's so many different ones out there. Yes, there's so many. And uh, and they're into different, I mean, just as as an interesting aside, there's parasomnias and dysomnias are the main groups and the dysomnias are things of difficulty with sleep like the things I've talked about mm. um, and then the parasomnias are difficulty during sleep so people that have sleepwalking, sleep talking, bedwetting, teeth grinding, nightmares, things that are happening during sleep Yeah. so that's another subsection as well so it's a really interesting field and there's it's just so much I'm so glad that we've been talking about it and there's a lot more interest and a lot more research going on at the moment in particularly in Australia and um, and around the world yeah because it is so interesting because like we all sleep mm. like yes like, and it's, so, like, it's, a huge it's so important to daily exactly. life and it's something that's been I don't know quite neglected over the past yes. I feel this bit yeah. yeah well it's only been a short time that it's been a specialty like um, in Australia for instance it was only the late 80s and early 90s that sleep disorder centers or sleep specialists were apparent it was just, I remember um, being involved with the, the Alfred Hospital Sleep Disorder Centre. It was about 1993 or 94. And that was a really brand new, it was a really big deal. And it was about the second one in the whole of Victoria. So it's only 20, you know, just over 20 years ago, 25, 24 years ago. So no wonder, you know, we, we just, it takes us a while to catch up. I mean, USA and Europe have been talking about sleep for a, a bit longer than we have. Mm-hmm. But we're, we're certainly world leaders now. We've caught up. Um, but, yeah, it's interesting to, because everyone, as you say, everyone does sleep. Yeah. It's important to us all. And everyone does understand what they feel, what it feels like for them when they don't sleep. Yeah. Particularly if, even only one, if, as a one-off, just to see the change in your behaviour and your mood. Yeah, exactly. Like, it, it's just, in a way, it's just kind of crazy just yeah. to, like, think about, like, how just in general like how much we need sleep and then if we don't sleep like how irritable and how yes. just sensitive we can be to things that's right exactly and i, and and I guess people, in a way yeah. um so um inaccurate inaccurate sleep um is not caused just by disorders but it can also be caused by poor habits and choices that's right exactly yeah. there's there's yeah, behavioral or lifestyle choices mm-hmm. or yeah sleep disorders so you want to at least make sure you can control the <laughs> your lifestyle and, and choices mm-hmm. um, because sometimes it's out of our control whether we're going to develop a particular sleep disorder. Yeah. Um, some things are genetic like, or, or, again, the lifestyle related to sometimes. Like uh, the more... I, so most people with um, sleep apnea, for instance, 
a lot of them are overweight, but there's plenty of people who are skinny and uh, fit and who do develop sleep apnea and, and things like that. So yeah. it's important to at least maintain the things we can control yeah. and getting into bed at a decent time and prioritising sleep. By the sounds of it, like get these some... disorders like don't discriminate at all. Mm. That's right, that's right. Yeah, so how important is sleep to our mental health then? Um, Crucial, yeah, really, really important. There's uh, more and more evidence emerging. As I said, we all know anecdotally that it makes us a bit irritable, but there's a very strong body of evidence to show that uh, poor sleep has a relationship with increased anxiety and increased depression. Um, and And it's thought to be bi-directional sometimes it can be that the depression and anxiety cause sleep problems mm-hmm. but it also can be that the sleep problems uh, come first and then they have a, an effect or trigger an anxiety or depressive depressive episode so okay. people usually know they i'm a clinician in terms of i'm a psychologist that works face-to-face with people with sleep problems and yeah. they they can tell you in the very first session they sort of seem to know themselves which came first but it is sometimes a chicken or egg scenario where you have to think about, you know, what do you think happened first? Was it the sleep that went off or was it the depression or anxiety that was already there and then and therefore you didn't sleep well? But it's only since 1996 that we've even thought about it being bi-directional. We used to think it was only the other way around that, you know, anyone who had a sleep problem was only because they're depressed or only because they're anxious. Okay. But now we have a really clear understanding that it is bi-directional. Yeah. Um, and, and they both need to be treated. So someone, so people with depression, um, obviously to pre- treat the depression, but also in its own right, have a have a specific time, like a session or two at least, specifically addressing sleep and sleep habits and, and getting better sleep quality. Mm-hmm. So it's really important. Yeah. yeah, and I guess it is bi-directional as well, like when medication and things like that come into play, that can affect yeah. a person's sleep dramatically. Uh, yes, Absolutely. Especially yeah. when there's some antidepressants that are out there that actually help mm. help you to sleep. Mm. Yes, that's right. And yeah, some of the antidepressants are, are really poor, really bad on sleep. So yeah. actually, some of them, uh, you know, reduce REM sleep and some, you know, just just sort of interfere with good quality sleep. But there, obviously, there's a role. Um, you know, uh, antidepressants are required for in in some people. Mm-hmm. And also some sleeping pills sometimes are required in some people. But overall, um, the best, if we can, we're trying to manage it non-pharmacologically. It's a really good idea to try and not uh, be reliant on medication in the long run. So the, the best evidence for insomnia, for instance, is um, those that have, they might have been on medication and then have some CBT, like some, some psychological strategies, etc. Yep. And then they do better and people who have just taken the drugs only or just done psychology only, if mm-hmm. so long as they're off the drugs by about a year or so down the track. Okay. So it's interesting. So I used to be really anti-medication and try and get people off it really quickly, but it's important to realise that probably if they have been reliant on medication, not to whip it away too quickly, make, make sure you work with them for some time and give them time to develop some skills and strategies and some alteration in the way they think about things and their confidence and all that sort of stuff and give them time and then work on reducing their medication and they'll do better long-term than people who just didn't have medication at all. Hmm. This is a tip. I mean, some people do very well without medication, but those that have been severe enough to need it, they shouldn't feel too worried about that or, or ashamed or um, they could 
sometimes, I mean, some people, having said that, some people do have to be on medication the rest of their life. Yeah. But there is a very strong body of evidence to suggest that we most people don't need to be. And we should work really hard at, at really giving non-drug strategies for people with their sleep. Yeah, that's extremely interesting. So hmm. um, I'm I'm guilty of this myself. Like I always find that I go to bed at like three in the morning, then I have to wake <laughs> up early and like I always regret it because I don't feel rested. Um, yes. So for just for some of our listeners at home, if they if they do the same thing or if they do have a sleep disorder, um, what are some tips um, that they can use to improve their sleep? Yeah, good good point. So this is the thing because it depends on whether it's a sleep disorder keeping one awake, mm-hmm. or whether it's um, you know just a good Netflix series yeah. <laughs> or other <laughs> or other things keeping you awake. So, but I guess the, the so the main thing in either case is to is to plan for good sleep, like have a strategy around making sure you know what your upper limit is to know that I need to be in bed by X yeah. amount of time. Um, to know that 3 a.m. for you, for instance, knowing that 3 a.m. is just too late for you if you're getting up yeah. early, and to, to have a cut off, cut off of say midnight or something like that, and so just making sure you plan for that because it's the whole older, you know, the old adage: if you don't plan, then you sort of you plan to fail. If you yeah. fail to plan, you've mm-hmm. got to think about it, plan for it, uh, prioritize sleep, know respect sleep, know that sleep, you know, really give that respect if you. Um, Making sure you turn off your devices and TVs and things like that at least an hour before you do go off to bed. It's really important just to actually have some unwind time. Yeah. It's also, having said that, it's important to have some unwind time in the early evening as well. Like when you get home from work or you're home from your bits and pieces that you're doing way before bedtime, actually have a bit of an unwind period then and think about what you need to do for the next day or two. Like have a bit of a... A set, a set time for planning or, or even worrying, people who've got a lot on their mind, just to get it all jotted down then, not not so so it doesn't come up in the middle of the night, that you've cleared, cleared the slate a little bit. It's really important to, if you don't already do things like yoga or meditation, particularly mindfulness-based meditation, that, that, there's some good evidence to show that it's very important to reduce our levels of arousal or stress and that we can actually have, be in a much better place then to, to get off to sleep and let those things work. The things I talked about earlier, the, the, the processes, like the homeostatic system and the circadian system can work mm-hmm. if there's not all those other interferences from from either the TV or from our internal stresses, the thing we're worrying about. Yeah. So let, let, the, let the body do its work. So people, it's really nice. People know they can empower themselves with, all, with those things, like getting fitter as well, like making sure they move around and getting out and putting a daylight during the day. Mm-hmm. Just having the regular patterns, like it's really important to be routine, 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 with, even with, your, with the times you're eating your meals, the times you're doing your exercise, just trying to be quite routine will help with a, um, a good sleep-wake pattern and mm-hmm. being out in the, the light and the dark at the appropriate time will help a lot with, with the sleep-wake pattern as well. So if it's dark outside, we should be trying to mimic that with ourselves so, so, by the time it's dark outside not having bright lights, like just having dim lights, having lamps on, yeah. start thinking about going to, to, you know, to sleep as soon as possible. Not obviously at, at the moment in Melbourne, for instance, it's dark at 5.30. Yeah. You wouldn't be going <laughs> to sleep then. But just to start thinking about, okay, I'm going to wind down, I'm going to mimic what's happening outside. Our primitive ancestors would have been, you know, getting ready for 
not doing too much work anymore. But nowadays we can work, 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 or watch, watch, watch. We, we can. There's no limits to what we can do. Mm-hmm. So we need to just try and remember to get back in touch with the normal 24-hour cycle with the light and dark, and 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 train ourselves to be much more respectful and in line with that. Yeah, yeah. And now that I kind of like think about it, like if I go, if I go, if I just watch any TV show and basically the the classic evening routine i always notice that like they're in the bed they're laying down and they're reading a book like there's no television they they're not on their devices or anything and i think that's really interesting as well because it's really important because you think about those devices and it's only six years or so that the ipad was invented for instance and i smartphones like maybe 10 years it's not really long yeah. Especially someone like my age, I'm um, late forties. Like most of my life, like we we just had books, or we didn't have we didn't have devices, or maybe some kids had TVs in their room. That yeah. was about it. And the TV across the room is a lot less dangerous in terms. Of, I mean, not that I, I wouldn't recommend TV watching in bed, but yeah. it's less dangerous than a handheld device where the bright the bright light and the interaction of that is right in your literally in your face. Mm-hmm. And it's interfering with your circadian rhythm, interfering with your melatonin production because of that light. Because yeah. remember, you know, melatonin is, re- is secreted in response to darkness. So we do want to be in darkness and not thinking too much and mimicking that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, no devices um, in the bedroom. But the horse is bolted with that. And nearly everyone I know does do that. Yeah. Um, but it's really important to, to try not to have that. And obviously bringing things like your alcohol and your caffeine and, all those sorts of things un- under control. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone is going to have coffee, to have just less, like maybe one or two, and at the most, and have them before lunch in the in the daytime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so. I think that's also interesting as well because I know like a lot of students, um, like I know when we've got assignments due, like we have to like stock up on the caffeine to keep ourselves yeah. like yeah. awake yeah. and motivated. So bad. Yeah, and it's a massive problem, as you know, the caffeinated soft drinks and, and and coffee and it's it's that's that's right it's it's probably sometimes you need to do that short term but to but not long term definitely not, not long term it's, it's, it's has a, a bad you know it's, it's has have a, a negative effect on your health long term mm. so it comes down to organization as well and and sometimes you know delegation and just general stress management of just being organized and to not get into the state where you have to stay up all night and, and caffeine yourself up and then get really hooked on a regular lots amount a regular amount of um, caffeine. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it sounds like every time I especially interviews like this, you sound like you're a bit of a killjoy. You know? yeah. No coffee, no alcohol. It's not no, no, no. It's just like minimal amounts, and yeah. sensible amounts. And, and I'm sure you and, can and, have it at like the appropriate times, times and not yeah. like at like yeah. five in the morning yeah. when you need to be yeah. sleeping. Mm. Exactly. So it's appropriate. So, but anyway, that probably covers a lot of. Does that cover all the questions? Yeah, I'll just um, do one final one. Where can people yeah. go to find more information about Sleep Awareness Week? Ah, good, good. So I would send people to um, sleep, our Sleep Health Foundation website, which is www.sleephealthfoundation.org.au, um, and also the other. That's our national, uh, you know, sleep. Health Foundation, which we're you know, promoting well-being and sleep and sleep health, but also the, the American one, the National Sleep Foundation, they've got an excellent website as well with a really great amount of information on there. 
and also the Australasian Sleep Association. They have an excellent website with lots of information as well and fact sheets. We have many, many fact sheets on our, our website. But everything from insomnia to, um, you know, out, sleep in the elderly, a whole range of probably about 70 or 80 fact sheets that we've got on, on our sleephealth.org.au. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Uh, no worries, really my absolute pleasure. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me. That's okay. okay. Have, happy sleeping. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we'll sleep well. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks, Maura, for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge with our listeners. You can find more of our shows at our website, brainwaves.org.au or on the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on iTunes. Feel free to send us feedback or suggestions for shows via email at brainwaves at wellways.org. Stay tuned for another show of Brainwaves next week, Wednesday at 5. Up next, Renegade Economists. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.